I'm Daniel, and you're listening to Time in the Word on Faith FM. I'm here with Taylor again today at the Seventh-day Adventist Big Camp in Devonport, Tasmania. Today we're going to be studying Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20, and a bit of a controversial one in the history of the church. How are you going today, Taylor? I'm going well, thank you, Daniel. Awesome. Really, really excited to be studying this passage, and also because it's actually one of my favourites. How about you? Yeah, well, I looked at it, and it's certainly, as you said, quite a controversial one, but a very important passage today. Well, let's get straight into it, hey? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. I'll read it, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Just looking at those two verses, I mean, that question that Jesus asks, that's actually a pretty important question, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. When I read that question, I often think, well, Jesus must really have wanted his disciples to really know who he was, because as Christians, sometimes we go through the motions, but do we really know who Jesus is? I guess if we really believe that Jesus is who we believe he is, and that is that he's God, he somewhat knows the answers. And as you read through the Gospels, you see there's times when he knows people's hearts, he knows what people are thinking and all of that. And here he's asking, who do people say the Son of Man is? And I sort of think it's more of an opener rather than for his personal information. He's trying to get them to think about the question themselves. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And he was especially asking his disciples, and he asks us as his disciples too, needing to know Christ and what he is and who he is. And also that leads into the question of who we are, and especially where we are and what is our purpose. Someone said once that in order for any human being to be able to live and to live a comfortable, I guess, abundant life, they need to have the answer to three questions. Where have I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? When you don't have Jesus, the answers to those questions become really nebulous, don't they? And you sort of got to make it up yourself, but Jesus gives you an anchor. So it really is an important question there. Who do people say I am? But then he makes it personal in verse 15. And then he asks them, but who do you say that I am? Who's Jesus to you, Taylor? Jesus is my best friend, my warrior, my king, my saviour, and the list could go on and on. But honestly, coming from a small family and also being homeschooled throughout my life, Jesus has certainly been my anchor point, my reliance, my best friend through every situation. That's beautiful. I get so excited about listening to young people talking about what Jesus means to them. So thanks for sharing that. Hey, how would you like to read the next couple of verses for us? Let's say verse 17, 18. Is that okay? Yeah, so I'm reading from the New King James Version and verse 17 and 18, radio. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Hmm. Yeah, really, really awesome. You are blessed, Simon. Your translation said bar Jonah, and I could see that you were sort of wondering what that meant. The word bar actually means son, and Jonah is a way of writing John. So in actual fact, that's a kind of Hebrew version of the name Johnson in English. I also have in my Bible a little Ellen White text from The Desire of Ages. Really great book, and I think it explains it really well of what these verses mean. 
So in verse 18, we're reading about how Peter and Jesus were saying, and on this rock I will build my church. And a lot of people confuse that, thinking that Peter was the rock and he was the church. But in fact, this is what it says in Desire of Ages. The word Peter signifies a stone, a rolling stone. Peter was not the rock upon which the church was founded. The gates of hell did prevail against him when he denied his Lord with cursing and swearing. That rock is himself, his own body, for us broken and bruised. Against the church built upon this foundation, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So basically, back when the Bible was written, they didn't have much punctuation. But when you really read it, and it says, And I also say to you that you are Peter. So he was basically declaring to Peter, like, You are Peter. You are a man. And then he says, And on this rock referring to himself, I will build my church. Yeah, you got it there. And what's really interesting, and in fact, that, that quotation brought it out quite well, is that Peter's name actually referred not to a firm foundation rock, but a sort of pebble that you might kick or roll. You're right. So it's sort of like you're Peter, you know, you're a little rock, but on this Petra and you're Petros, a little rolling stone, but on this Petra, this mighty rock of amazing proportions, this firm foundation... And when he said this rock, he was talking about the truth that Peter had just exclaimed, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the rock. That is the cornerstone of the church, isn't it? And uh, there's many times when, when Jesus is described throughout the scripture as a rock. One of my favorite is in Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar sees a mighty vision there, and Daniel explains it for him. And right at the end, there's a rock that destroys all of the kingdoms that have come before. And that rock sets up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. That's how Jesus, isn't it? I'm just going to read on a little bit because the controversialness of this passage has not yet finished, <laughs> which, uh, which I love. I love difficult Bible texts. I'm going to read from verse 19. So Jesus is talking to Peter now. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, let me tell you a little bit of history about this verse right here. Because uh, in the Middle Ages, it was understood, when you go back and study the history, not necessarily the case, but it's generally understood that, that Peter was the first bishop of Rome. And so as the church increasingly began to look to the bishop of Rome for leadership, the church turned to this passage and said, well, whoever is the bishop of Rome, the successor of Peter, well, he's the one that controls who gets in and out of heaven. And they used this verse to support that. What do you think? It really does seem to sort of say that. It really does seem like Jesus is giving Peter that power. What do you think? Well, I honestly think at the time Jesus had his disciples and they were the ones that he spoke to on earth. But because we have the Bible and we look through all these books in the Bible and all the words of Christ, we know that they were not just put there for history, but they were put there for people like us who are born in the future. And meanwhile, while he was giving Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven, I understand that to be the keys, so the Word of God, the faith of Jesus, the strength in Jesus, all of these things. He gives that to us as well. And when He gives us those keys, whatever we have on this earth, like the joy we have, the faith we have in Christ, we'll also bind that in heaven. And it also can be the fact that even family members who are not of the church or friends, when we pray for them, it's like we're binding them to heaven. So when Jesus returns, we can be assured that Jesus will answer those prayers. Even though people have their free choice, the things that we bind to heaven will never be 
never be loosed. Yeah, cool, Taylor. I think you're right about that. I do see that as a corporate offering rather than just to Peter personally as an individual. What is the keys to the kingdom of heaven that Jesus offered? Well, we know that salvation is by grace, through faith, and it's by believing. Faith in what? Faith in that truth that Peter just pronounced, that Jesus is the Son of the living God. And uh, when we offer that to people, we too have those keys, don't we? we? We are, in a sense, the gatekeepers, that when we give the gospel to someone, that they can open that door and they can access God's truth. I just want to give you a little bit of insight. It doesn't come across in any English translations, I should say, but it's very clear in the Greek. I've seen a couple of English translations that translate it this way, but let me just give you a sense that that verse contains a future perfect periphrastic sentence construction. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of big words, but basically, in the Greek, this is a better way of understanding it, and I might unpack it just a little bit. Let me read it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will have been forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will have been permitted in heaven. That's future perfect periphrastic, and that's the way that it should be translated. And the idea is that the church, God's people, are supposed to be so in touch with God's Spirit, so being led by Him, so being guided by heaven, that the decisions that we make down here are a reflection of what heaven has in fact already decided. So it's not like a human being is standing there telling God what to do in terms of salvation and controlling who gets in and out. It's that we're so in tune with Him that we're able to be guided by Spirit. And by the way, that doesn't happen all the time. Churches make mistakes, as you know. I think all of these things that we've learned in this passage have really been amazing, really, because when we go through the Bible and we think, oh yeah, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are probably the easiest things to understand in the Bible. But quite frankly, these are so profound that it's only through God's wisdom that we're even going to understand them. Mm. And even then, it's just like time and study and persistence in that. Well, you know, that's so true, Taylor. And look, when I read verse 20 here, it, actually, do you want to read verse 20 for us? Because it almost seems to contradict what I just said, but we'll just read it and then I'll just say what I feel that God's calling me to say on that. You want to read it for us? Yeah, so verse 20, it says, Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Doesn't that seem like a bit of a contradiction to everything that we've just said? I guess in that moment, you know, those people around there, not in that moment having been ready to receive that truth of who Jesus was exactly, those people he was talking about that were wondering, is this Elijah, is this Jeremiah, were not yet ready to receive that truth that he was the son of the living God. But later on in Matthew, when we get to Matthew chapter 28, he says, now's the time. And he says, I want you to go, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And I think it is a stern rebuke to us to make sure that our purposes, our actions, our love is in keeping with the plans of heaven, that we're making sure that we're praying for discernment and wisdom as to when there's the right time to share and when's the right time to do what God's calling us to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with that because in order that we may just share with people at the right time, it all depends on how much do we know Jesus. And it's like the question that was asked earlier on when Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? If we're just going through the motions and saying, yeah, we're Christians, we go to church, all of that. But do we really know who Jesus is? Because if we don't really know who Jesus is, how can we share him with others? Because we are the representatives of Christ down on this earth. And if we're trying to proclaim Christ yet don't really know who he is, 
people are not going to know who he is either because they can't see him in us. Wow, that's beautiful, Taylor. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we've come to the end of our time now. And uh, would you like to say a little prayer for us just as we close? Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can study your word. We thank you that we can learn new insights. I pray, Lord, that we will learn to research your word more and more in depth and and not stop until we find the answers that we're praying for. Lord, I pray also that you will help us to truly know who you are in our lives so that we may share your great love and your amazing sacrifice to all who we come in contact with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Daniel and Taylor, and this has been Time in the Word on Faith FM. Thank you.